Welcome to the Hope United Podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. We have been in this series, uh, You Are the Light. Does anybody realize by now that you are the light of the world? And that's exactly what Jesus was telling us in Matthew 5, said, you are the light of the world. And um, you're the salt of the earth. We are an extension of Jesus, that light that illuminates dark places and in chaotic times and chaotic moments in history. And in our world, we are the light. If we don't illuminate, uh, then what happens is the world stays in chaos. The world stays in darkness. The world stays in ignorance. The world stays in hatred or violence or a, a list of other things. So we are the light. Somebody say it real loud. You are the light. So it's not about having an ego. It's not about being puffed up. This is actually what Jesus told us we are. He gave us our identity as the light. Let's go to scripture right here. Matthew 5, 14 and 15. It says, you are the light of the world. This is Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount. Most famous sermon of all times. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do they do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put the light on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But let me add this other scripture to this. And that's the scripture right before it. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but... If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. So Jesus starts asking some really good questions, some really difficult questions, actually. And so we start thinking about, well, what kind of light am I? What kind of salt am I? And, and, and I just want to think about this passage for a second, right? He said, if the salt loses its saltiness, can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out, thrown underfoot. And we are also the light of the world, but we shouldn't hide our light. Jesus adds to this a sense of who would do that? Who would think about hiding a light? Right? There's this sense in what he's saying of uh, who would think about salt that, 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 that has lost its saltiness? What type of person would, would think of that? Jesus also asks, what good is salt if it's not salty? Then he answers his own question and he says that type of salt is good for nothing. And that's a heavy statement. Jesus said that to us. Jesus said that about us. He said, basically, you are the salt of the earth, but if you lose your saltiness, you are now no longer good for anything. That's, that's, that's a strong statement. I'm sorry I had to start off so strong, but that's what Jesus said. It's ineffective to be a Christian and hide your light. It, it, it really doesn't bring any value to you or to anyone else to be the type of Christian that doesn't shine. 
it doesn't have any value, any purpose at all to be salt that has no saltiness. In your house, in your salt shaker, if you had salt that, that did not make your food taste any better, what would you do with that salt? You would throw it out. You would get some new salt from Publix or wherever. <laughs> Where shopping is a pleasure. <laughs> and, and, and you would use new salt, right? Jesus saying, salt without saltiness has no value. Light that is not shown has no value. So we come to realize that we need to shine. It's imperative to shine. That there's no usefulness of a Christian that doesn't shine. So how do we shine? Let's use that as, you know, I'm not going to use that as, I'm feeling guilted, but I'm going to use that as a challenge to step up and say, I'm going to learn how to shine in ways that I've never shined before. I'm going to learn to be salty, not the bad type of salty, but I'm going to be salty in ways that I've never been before. Why? Because it's our duty as believers. It's our function to illuminate. It's not an option. It's what we were meant to be, designed to be. So how do we do that? Because Matthew 5, 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. We want to shine Shining is something that we must do. We do that by the good deeds that point to the Father. But what type of deeds are these? I'm glad you asked me today. We're going to get down to that. We're going to get down to the bottom of what are the deeds that make you shine. What are the deeds that make you shine? Now, Scripture calls these beatitudes. Minister Francesca last week called them the attitudes to be. But today, I'm going to call them the attitudes that shine. These are the attitudes that shine, okay? So, to make sure everybody's with me, it says, let your light shine before men so that they will see your good deeds and glorify the Father. So we know we need to shine. We shine by having these good deeds that point the way to the Father. Well, what are the good deeds? Well, Jesus just listed them right before he said, you're the light. So let's go look at these attitudes that shine. Matthew 5, 3 through 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and, false, and say false things and evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So let's list this off really quick. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Blessed are those that are insulted and lied on for my sake. I'm going to update the verbiage a little bit. All right? These are the attitudes that make you shine. You can put them up on the screen. Poor in spirit, 
mourning, meekness, hungry or thirsty for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted, insulted, lied about. Do you notice how every one of these is a huge contrast from the culture of our world? Each one of these are, uh, it's, it's a big divergence from what you see in our culture. Poor in spirit, right? We live in a world that celebrates luxury, right? What you have and having all these things in your life. Well, this is talking about something different. Mourning, we're always talking about happiness, fun, meekness. We're all full of ego, our culture. Let's take this. Poor in spirit. Let's take this one at a time. Poor in spirit. It says, this is the concept here, spiritually, that God is close to someone that has a contrite and a broken spirit. What does poor in spirit mean? He's not close to somebody that's puffed up. Not close to somebody that's got a huge mammoth-sized ego that doesn't fit in the room. Somebody that's up on a high horse. No, he's not close to that person. But he's rather somebody that's keenly aware that they have a deficit in their life that only God can fill. Blessed is the poor in spirit because they realize "Ah, there's a void here in my life and I need Jesus to fill it. Blessed am I when I have an awareness that I need God. This is a way... That we shine. Blessed are those that realize they have a lack that only God can fill. It's not. It's, it, you have now a new awareness of the world. You have a spiritual awareness of who we are as people. As mankind. That we all have a deficit in our lives. Correct. Blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. I realize we were always poor in spirit. We just didn't realize it. Right. Mourn. Blessed are those, Jesus continues this concept, blessed are those who mourn. God is close to a person that has a broken or contrite spirit. The Bible also tells us to weep with those that weep. Have compassion. Be compassionate. Be sympathetic to people that are going through difficult seasons of life. That's one of the ways you shine. As we shine our our, our light, we should not only know how to celebrate, we should also know how to be compassionate. I've had many talks with my dad about pastoring and learning how to pastor. And um, it's, it's just a normal process of being a, a person that ministers to people. You have weekends that you do a funeral, you do a wedding, you do a baby dedication. You go from high to low. You have to know how to celebrate with those that are celebrating. You're not coming in bringing a spirit of heaviness into somebody's marriage. <laughs> They're like... Why is, the, why is the minister, he, he's just really dragging today, and we're trying to celebrate the beauty of life. But then you have to understand how to walk into that room and be compassionate. With that person that's just lost a loved one, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Some of the greatest miracles come from a place of compassion. That was what the room was full of last night at that gala was uh, full of compassion for students. How can we elevate students? We see the def- deficiencies in the school system. How can we step up and fill in some of those gaps? How else can we shine? Uh, we can be meek. Blessed are the meek or humble, for they will inherit the earth. 
That's what James 4, 6 says. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. The one that is humble and meek, God will exalt. Right? We say in our culture, you know, the guy that is going to get knocked off his high horse. Well, that actually literally comes from the Bible. That's actually Saul's story before he came became Paul. He was on the road to Damascus and he was on his horse and got knocked off his horse. He was full of arrogance or, or, or pride in what he thought he knew until God had an intersection, knocked him off his horse. But those that are prideful will be brought low. Scripture tells us those that are humble will be exalted. This is a way that you can shine by being humble and let God exalt you in different scenarios. And people say, wow, look at how humble he was, but yet how much he's successful. Look at how humble he is, but man, he's got an awesome family. He's got an uh, uh, amazing marriage. Or his wife looks amazing at the gala. Uh, some saw Pastor Corinne's uh, picture. And I just want to say, yeah, that's right. Okay. The picture from the gala. Yes. Okay. Um, it'll, it'll just be known as the picture from the gala. Okay. The blessed are the meek or the humble. Next, how else do we shine? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Some translations say those that hunger and thirst for justice will be satisfied. I love that because we are the light when we stand up for those that are being mistreated. And we are the light when we stand up for what is right. And that's the contrast of light and darkness when we say, nope, this is God's justice. And God's justice is different than man's justice. And, and the problem happens a lot of times when we as Christians tether our understanding of right and wrong to our culture. Because cultures change and cultures shift and societies change and societies shift. But actually the word of God never changes. God's sense of justice, God's sense of right and wrong never changes. In different seasons, this might seem right or that might seem right, but God's word Never changes. God's justice, God's sense of justice. And it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for that type of justice. Not just any justice. Not justice sometimes as our culture knows it. But a divine sense of justice. What God is saying. You cannot understand righteousness through culture. You can only understand righteousness through God. I can give you places in this world right now that they still... They think it's okay to kill people. Um, there's places that they will execute people for their religious beliefs. And that seems right to them. That seems completely right in their culture. Cultures can be wrong all the time. And they are wrong all the time. Sometimes on big things, sometimes on little things. So blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you hunger and thirst for the justice of God. Our sense of right and wrong can't be determined by the culture because the culture is temporal and culture is flawed. Culture and the status quo will always be shifting. The predominant thought of a culture will always shift, but God's word remains. There are some people in our world, there's some people in our culture, they are absolutely sure of themselves. 
until they're proven wrong in 10 years. They're absolutely sure of their science until eight years later when they're completely disproved. They're completely sure of their moral value system until 20 years later when they realize they built their their, their life on sand. The great thing about God's word is it never changes. There's things in this life that seem right or maybe they feel right. But I want to tell you, this is tested, this is tried, this is proven. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. That's, that's, a, that's a fact. We know that scientifically. God, Jesus has said, it, it is going to happen. It's one thing that science and, and, and God have, have said, heaven and earth will pass away. But, Jesus said, my words will remain. My words will remain. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God wants us to have mercy. Look at somebody and say, have mercy. I want you to digest this. Have mercy on your enemies. Have mercy on people that see things differently than you. That see the world differently. That have different value systems than you do. Have mercy on them. You shine when you have mercy on others. God's not looking for you to be judgmental. God's looking for you to show mercy. Now, there's a little balancing act that you have to do right there between those two principles of shining. Hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, but also be merciful. Look, I'm not moving God's mile marker here. I'm not saying what's wrong is right. I'm not going to do that because the Bible says in the last days, they're going to say what's right is wrong. And they're going to say what's wrong is right. How many know that's happening right now in our culture? But blessed are those that hunger and thirst for God's justice, but also, at the same time, they're merciful. How do you do that? You have to be spirit-led. You have to be spirit-led. Because that shows you some truths are held in tension, right? You have this over here, God's justice. It cannot be moved. It cannot be changed. I cannot say what's wrong is right. But at the same time, I show mercy. I mercy on people that I'm compassionate for those who see the world differently. Does it mean I have to agree with it? But it means that I show love. I show compassion. I show mercy. These things will make you stand out. Jesus telling you these things will make you shine in our world. Who does that? The people of God do that. This is the righteousness of God. But I love you. What do you feel about this issue? Well, this is what the word of God says. But I love you. It's okay that you see the world differently. I still love you. I don't hate you. I don't push you away. I'm merciful. Compassionate. Pure in heart. Verse 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Titus 1.15 says, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. If you're looking for pure in this life, you will find it. It it, it takes a pure heart to see purity in our world. Because you've got to see through other stuff. 
If you're looking for the worst, you're going to find the worst. If you're looking for the best in people, you will see the best. You will see what God is doing in them. You'll see the God gift. You'll see the redeeming qualities of a person. Right? If you're looking for flaws in people, you're going to find flaws all day. I'm not saying be naive, but if you have a pure heart, you will see the God in the things around you and the people around you. You will see God's hand at work in our society. You will see God moving in our world today. But to see that, what God is doing, you have to have a pure heart. The more you allow God to purify your heart, the more you will see of him all around you. Yes, there's some bad stuff going on in our world. But you know what? There's also some good stuff going on. I was, um, uh, I've been into buying Christian t-shirts online now. I just like, I'm like, I'm going to support that cause. I'm going to, they make Jesus swag. Yes. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And, and one of them, they had like a charity, like add $5. And we're going to, we're, we're, we're looking to find this person that was a human traffic victim. They were kidnapped. We're going to find them. And there's beautiful things that are going on in the world today. But you'll never see it if you're looking from a heart that is jealous or a heart that is um, hurt or a heart that, that you are suspicious of people. But if you allow God to purify your heart, you'll see the good in the world. I'm not standing up here saying that and there's not some real dark spots in our world. Yes, but there's also some really bright spots in our world. And that is the balance that we have to understand is going to happen in the last days. The world is going to get darker and the church is going to get brighter. You're going to say, man, those guys over there fighting for human trafficking. That's awesome, man. These people over here doing this heinous thing. That's terrible over there. These people saving people that just had hurricane damage. That's awesome right there. People saving people in the war zone. Man, that's awesome right there. This person starting wars and annexing. No, that's not good. The the last days is marked by the world getting darker and brighter. The contrast is growing. But look, this is how we shine. Amen. Psalm 24, 3 through 4 says, Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. One way to shine is is to have a pure heart. What is your intentions? What are your motives? Do you really care about people? Do you really want to help people? Do you really want to shine the light for Jesus? Have a pure heart. And blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. It's easy to start a war. It's easy to start an argument. It's easy to fight with people. It's easy to get angry. It takes godliness to make peace. So when we make peace, people recognize a sense of the divine. Even in somebody that's secular that steps up and makes peace, you sense There's God in what they're doing. Whether they recognize it or not, blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. The whole earth groans for the manifestation of peacemakers. Right? Our world is fighting. 
It says the, sons, the, the, the whole world groans for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God, right? So the whole world is groaning for us to actually stand up and, and, and make peace. The world is in conflict with everybody. It's not just, they're not just in conflict with the church. They're in conflict with everything. They're fighting amongst themselves. They don't even know how to agree with themselves. But you and I are the light. You and I shine by stepping into different places and making peace. When you go into a battlefield and you're able to make peace between two parties, people realize a sense of godliness. When you've been at war and you experience peace, it's like a slice of heaven. It's like a breath of fresh air. Blessed are the peacemakers because when you make peace, they're going to know that you're a godly person. And this last one is tough. So we don't like to talk about this in the American church too much. But Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted, when you're insulted, and when you're lied about. We have to be honest because Jesus talked about this, and this is the world that we live in. Jesus tells us, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Part of shining the light is being okay with being persecuted, insulted, and lied about. Jesus made it clear that his followers, it wouldn't be always be a bed of roses. That sometimes people were going to disagree, and sometimes they were going to be aggressive and even hostile. Jesus told us to shine our light, but he also warned us about persecution. John 15, 20, Jesus said, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So Jesus tells us that persecution will come, but I love what it says in the end of when he says persecution will come. He says, but there's this awesome promise. Listen to the promise. Blessed are those who are persecuted, those that are insulted, those that are lied about because Great is your reward in heaven. That tells me there's a reward system in heaven. Like there's different levels and people are getting rewarded for different stuff that they did here on the earth. Now understand, it's not about us being motivated by works. I'm motivated by my relationship with God and by obedience. That's my motivation. I love God. I have a relationship with God and I want to be obedient to God. That's my motivation. But... It says that God is going to reward. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And now those that are persecuted, insulted, lied on, it says rejoice because great is your reward in heaven. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. God is saying, trust me, I'm going to settle all accounts. Let me just make a disclaimer here. This is not, you're not persecuted when you just have a bad attitude or you have no people skills or you're just a grumpy person. That is not being insulted, persecuted, all right? When people are mean to you because you're a mean-natured person, you're not being persecuted for righteousness' sake. You just need to work on your people skills. I'm joking, but it's the truth. It has to be said. Some Christians, I don't know what happens over time. Maybe they get a little grumpy. Maybe they're just not fun people to hang out with. And you say, I'm being persecuted. People don't want to hang out with me. They don't want to hang out with you because you're not a fun person. 
Lighten up, man. Jesus was fun. Jesus hung out with sinners and shone the light in dark places, man. With tax collectors, charlatans. But I love this. Those that are persecuted for righteousness and insulted and lied on for following me will be greatly rewarded. Not a regular reward. A great reward. So if you find yourself in a situation where, for whatever reason, people don't receive your light, and there's blowback, and there's pushback, and there's repercussions, remember, great is your reward in heaven. We have a duty to shine our light for Jesus. We have a duty to go into all the world and shine and talk about Jesus. We have a duty to exemplify with our actions and these deeds that we just talked about, the goodness of God and the person of Jesus Christ. It's up to us to let our lights shine. We can't hide it. We can't lose our flavor. This is our moment as his church. This is our time to let our light shine. Will you bow your head and pray with me today? God, I thank you for your incredible words that challenge us, that lead us, that guide us, that fill us up. Thank you, Lord, that um, we take the challenge of these good deeds and we make them a part of our lives. Maybe we focus on one or two of them this week and we begin to add things to our life maybe that, oh, I've never thought about shining in that way. Oh, I never thought about that good deed or this good deed. But if that will help to point the way to Jesus, that's what I want to do. I touch our hearts. Stir up our hearts, Father, for good deeds. Not just any good deeds. Good deeds that specifically point back to the goodness of God and the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that. And as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus today. I've kind of drifted in my relationship. And I want to reconnect with him. Or maybe you say, Pastor, I, I've been around religious things or religious people or been around godly people, but I, I've never made that commitment for myself. If that's you or you've kind of drifted, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you today. Amen. 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 If you slipped up your hand, I want to pray this prayer with you and everybody you can agree with me as we pray this. Jesus, thank you for all that you've done for me. For loving me before I loved you. For dying on the cross. For my sins. For my failures. For my shortcomings. Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Give me a new start today. Jesus, apply the finished work that you did on the cross to my life today. And help me live for you. Help me shine for you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, let's give God the praise today. And remember, if Jesus is with you, you will be undefeated. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, if God is with you, you will be undefeated.